And so Merry Christmas. That's loud. <laughs> and thanks for joining us here at Amazing Love for that Christmas celebration. I'm Pastor Dustin. I'm one of the teaching pastors here at Amazing Love. And I invite you to pray with me. We pray to an almighty God and we ask his blessing upon the reception of his word. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, tonight we celebrate that you made a home here with us so that someday our home will be forever by your side in heaven. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. You are our rock and our redeemer, our newborn king. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to start out with a saying. It's been said, you can give without love, but you cannot love without giving. This kind of reminds me of maybe some parents or grandparents, maybe some aunts and uncles who took great joy in picking out a present, wrapping it up, and putting it under the tree. And whether they be AirPods, or in our household, makeup, or clothes, or video games, the goal of all these presents is to give a single message, and that message is, I love you, kid. That's what we do during this time of year. We know that love gives. Love wants to give more than it has. Love wants to wow someone by what it's willing to sacrifice. And I have a great story of love that I wanted to share with you. It's one of my favorite short stories. It's called Babette's Feast. I don't know if anyone has ever heard of it before. It's a story about a pastor who has two daughters, so maybe that's why I love this story. And the pastor dies and the two daughters carry on with the congregation. That's your responsibility, Nadia and Bella, if you didn't know it. And they do a good job, and eventually they meet Babette, who is a chef from Paris. She comes with a letter of recommendation for someone the daughters knew, and she's there to cook and clean. The only problem is the daughters have no money to pay Babette. That makes no difference. Babette stays anyway, and for the next 14 years, cooks and cleans for free. Well, as time went on, she heard that she won the lottery in Paris, even better than being on The Price is Right. She got 10,000 francs, and with that money, she is able to move back to Paris. But before she does, she wanted to plan a meal. Her goal was to really wow those two daughters and about 10 guests, showing what she could do with some food. So she went to work, and in the next few weeks, these exotic packages came from Paris uh, to that small village in Denmark. And when she got to work, she made a meal that was pure magic. Have you ever been to such a good meal that there is just euphoria because of that good meal? Such euphoria that all those who had grudges and hurts, they slowly fade away. Those who had distrusted others at the table, that was gone. There was just complete unity. Not only there, but there was a guest who remembers a meal similar in Paris at a cafe, Cafe Anglaise, with a renowned chef. This was a very similar meal. Well, it turned out that Babette was that chef from Cafe Anglaise, and she finally went to work creating magic through a meal. Well, as the story goes, it ended, and the daughters asked, well, Babette, are you going back to Paris? And here was the big reveal. She couldn't go back because she spent the whole 10,000 francs on that meal. See, love gives. Love wants to wow someone. Love says, whatever I got, you want it? Because that's what's in my heart. And tonight on Christmas Eve, we get to peer into the heart of God 
And I wanted to welcome you, especially if you're a guest or visitor this Christmas Eve. Maybe you don't consider yourself a Christian. And today we get a glimpse at the good heart of God. One of the great passages of the Bible is John 3.16 that tells us of that heart. For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave a son. And that son came into this world to give what? Did he, did he come to give a meal? Was it just about turning water into wine or feeding four or 5,000? No, that's not it. Did he come to do miracles and heal people? What was it just about opening the eyes of the blind, healing lepers, and raising the dead? He did that, but that's not it. No, in Philippians chapter 2, we hear what the Son came to give. Said beautifully in these words, Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. See, friends, gathered this Christmas Eve, the crib reminds us of a cross and the blood that he would shed so that we could know we're loved. We have peace with a holy God. And that's what we've been considering here at Amazing Love. All the wonderful gifts of Christmas. The gifts of hope and joy, of love and peace. And tonight to see God's heart, we hear the words of Luke 2. And we remember when the angels lit up the night sky with their message. In Luke 2, the angel said this, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. The nuance of love is, is favor, and to talk about that, I don't know if you've ever had a first grandchild in the family. Anyone ever know what it's like to have a first grandchild of the family? Maybe you were that one. You know what happens to the first grandchild? They get spoiled. I'm not bitter. I'm the youngest. I was like number seven in the line. I wasn't the first. But I remember my brother got better gifts than, than I did. He was first. He was favored. And when it, looks at, when it comes to the heart of God for you and I, what Pastor Jeff said beautifully last week is that all of us can say, I am God's favorite. You are God's favorite. That's his heart of love. He's not an angry God. He's not a vengeful God. He's not just a bully who's waiting to get his just desserts. No, he's a God who loves you and traded Jesus' life for our very own. And that's what Mary was going to find out. So tonight on Christmas Eve, we hear a little bit of her story from Luke chapter 1. The prophecy of Jesus and how heaven viewed a virgin named Mary. Here we go from Luke chapter 1. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and we call the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Well, how will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. These are the words we get to explore this night. Could you say out loud 
or to a neighbor. He's got favor for you. He's got favor for you. Awesome, awesome. Does anyone else enjoy watching Christmas movies this time of year? Raise your hands, scenes of Christmas movies. I was feeling old the other day because I heard it is the 20th anniversary of the movie Elf. Does that make anyone else feel old? Because that is my Christmas favorite. Yeah. And maybe you've watched Home Alone or It's a Wonderful Life. Uh, maybe The Grinch or maybe you're gearing up for the Christmas story. I don't know. There's so many great movies to watch. But, but every Christmas movie, it seems, has a Christmas villain. Do you see a Christmas villain? Is there one behind? Oh, yeah. Common Christmas villain, isn't it? That mean Grinch who's stealing the Who's and Whosville's present until his heart grows. Or there's, a, there's another villain that maybe is common. Um, let's get the next guy, right? And why does Kevin always get in trouble? He started it. He started it, those older brothers. Not that I have one, but I do. But anyway. But the classic. This, I mean, if there was like a picture of a, a childhood villain, would not be this guy with like the red hair and the braces and everything. It just looks devious. Right, And some of you are waiting for TBS and 24-7, The Christmas Story. Do they still do that? I've cut the cord. I don't know. But anyway, um, this villain. And if you've seen that movie, you know he loves to terrorize Ralphie. And Ralphie's little brother in that snowsuit where he looks like a marshmallow man. And so he's just running away from the villain. And then you think of what you want, your, your sense of justice over the villains. What do you want to have happen to a villain? You want to put a villain in their place. And there was sweet justice in this movie. Maybe you know that Ralphie got his sweet desserts, his justice, and I don't recommend it. This is not Christian love, but he beat up that villain. Yeah. And he didn't shoot his eye out. So we're in a real-life Christmas story. We don't have to turn on the movies to find it. Maybe Charlie Brown's Christmas will tell you about it. But in this real-life Christmas story, there is a hero. And make no mistake about who that hero is. It is Jesus Christ, the newborn king. He is the deliverer. He is the Messiah. He will overcome in this world. But the villain, do you know the villain? It might surprise you. The villain is not Herod. Now, Herod, once Jesus was born, he would kill every baby about two years and under because he hated competition. The villain, not the Pharisees, even though they didn't listen to Jesus. The unexpected villain of the Christmas story. It's you. It's me. And what do I mean by this? See, I don't know about you, but I come to Christmas and I recognize brokenness in my life, brokenness in my heart. See, we worship a holy God who has perfect love, and there is not a day that I have lived that I can claim perfection in my love. What about you? In fact, a man named Paul, he said about himself, he could see into his heart, and he said, you know what, I'm the worst of sinners. That was Paul who wrote most of the New Testament and some of the glorious passages that we considered. I'm the worst of sinners, said Paul. Martin Luther, he had a memorable phrase for it. It doesn't sound very pretty for a Christmas Eve, but Martin Luther called himself a poor, stinking bag of maggots. But when we look into our hearts and we see what is there, when we understand the merits of what our worst day deserves, whew, it's ugly. And so what should justice bring? 
If God were human, like us, Christmas would be a story of where he sends in Jesus to get us back and wipe us out. But God's love is more amazing than that. The story is grander than that. This is not a revenge story. See, the unexpected, the glorious, the surprising gospel is this, that Jesus comes into the world to pay the punishment of villains so that we could have the rights of sons and daughters. Wow, that's a good God. And Paul put it beautifully in Romans chapter 5 when he said this. He said, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were sinners, while we were enemies, could do nothing, only had reasons for God to hate us, Christ died for us. He traded his life for ours so that now when God looks at each one of you, what he sees is not an enemy. What he sees is not something he hates. What he sees is a beautiful son or daughter of the Most High God all through faith in him. But friends, this is surprising. It's unexpected. In fact, I've had those who have come to Amazing Love, heard the gospel and said, oh, that's too good to be true. It can't be that good. I'm here to tell you it is. But it's countercultural. It's not the way our heart works. And we see that in Mary's story. All right, so back to her story. The angel Gabriel appears, and he shares a beautiful word. This couldn't be a better word to hear. Gabriel shows up and says, Greetings, you who are highly favored. So she's not just a favorite. She's like a very special favorite, if that makes sense. The Lord is with you. Is that a good word or not? Look at her reaction. Her reaction is so common to this gospel. Her reaction, she was greatly troubled at his words, wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Mary, you couldn't have heard a better word. What's going on? I have a theory. Mary's looking into her own heart and her own life. And she knows her sin. She could say with Paul, but I'm the worst of sinners. And so to hear that God had favor for her, this was surprising. To hear that the declaration of heaven is peace, not pain, peace, not wrath. It's glorious in an unexpected way. But Mary's story reminds us that we didn't deserve the love of God. And so there's a reason we call it grace, the unmerited, undeserved love of God that is ours tonight. And if God has favor for us, what does this mean in our lives? Well, I wanted to know, do you, do you know the best gift giver in your family? Spend some time thinking, do you know the best gift giver in your family? I was doing some research on how to become the best gift giver, and part of it is remembering conversations of what people are into. So if they're a Bears fan and they religiously watch it on Sunday, maybe you'll have some Bears apparel that you might give. If they're into different cosmetics or things, you remember those conversations, and then there you are, there it is. Uh, you also have to tie a sentimental value to that gift. But if you know who the best gift giver is, and, and let's say they pick your name out of the hat for the family exchange, you're going to be blessed based on that. Your proximity to the best gift giver means that you're going to get good gifts. I bring this up because tonight we celebrate the best giver there is, that's our God. 
Every good and perfect gift is from above, from the Father of the heavenly lights. Everything we find under a tree came from him. Hallelujah for that. And we are blessed based on our proximity to God. The closer we get to God, the greater the gifts we get. To say it differently, the more Jesus, more blessing. More Jesus, more blessing. And that's what Mary heard. Mary was going to be blessed not because of who she was, but because of who this baby would be. Here again, the words about Jesus. He will be great and will be called Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will have no end. She was raising the king of kings. She was eyewitness this night of the Messiah wrapped in swaddling clothes and placed in a manger. She would be there to witness what a perfect child should act like. Do you imagine what it was like raising a perfect child? She would be there for the miracles. She would hear him teach. She, as prophecy was fulfilled, as a sword would pierce her own heart, would stand at the foot of the cross and watch salvation's price be paid. And three days later, she would see a resurrected Messiah, her son. The Most High God, who is the King of Heaven, the King of Kings, the King of Faith. And she was blessed because of her proximity to Jesus. See, the closer you are to Jesus, the more blessed you are. Do you realize that, friends? Do you know anyone who met Jesus and their life got better? I consider one story of a man named George Foreman. You remember George Foreman? He was pictured in a movie that came out called The Big George Foreman, a boxer. If you go to Kohl's, you might know him from the George Foreman Grill. Well, he relates his salvation story back to 1977 after a fight with Joe Lewis where he thought he had died. In fact, this is what's recorded about that. He said, at that moment, Foreman said he cried out, I still believe there's a God. Suddenly, a hand reached in and pulled me out of nothing and death. I was alive and breathing in that dressing room, Foreman said. I fought eight men to get into the shower. I started screaming, Jesus Christ has come alive in me after I saw blood on my head and hands. It's after this that he started kissing everyone around him filled with such joy. They had to tell him not to go out of the locker room because he still was undressed, but he was filled with such passion. For the next 10 years, instead of throwing punches, he started preaching, telling everyone what Jesus means. More Jesus means more blessing. Get him in your life. And so when this movie came out, the story he wanted people to remember was not about boxing, not about winning and losing, but about a living God. George Foreman said this, the most important thing I'd like people to go to the movie to take out of this is that there is hope. There is a living God, Foreman said, and I'm proof of it. That's all. Forget about the boxing and the winning and the losing and all of that. Faith in God is what the movie is all about. Let me ask you again. Do you know someone who met Jesus and their life got better? I'm so thankful for my parents. The greatest Christmas blessing I had growing up was not a present under a tree, but parents who told me that Jesus is the hero. Parents who showed me his goodness. And I've recognized the more I put Jesus in my life in any area, while it may not always get easier, it is definitely better. I love Pastor Jeff's story. Thanks for sharing it so often.
that God called him while he was a teenager because someone invited him to church. And he met Jesus, and he'd probably say, did your life get better? Yeah. Because that's what happens. More Jesus means more blessing. And so this Christmas Eve, what if we made a commitment? As a community, as a culture, as Americans who desperately need the light of the world, what if our next step was simply this, that we're going to turn to our lives and we're going to bring more of Jesus into it? What if tonight you decided that in the new year you were going to hear about Jesus and his voice every week? Nothing was going to keep you from worship because you knew you'd be revived and rebuilt as often as you'd get around the Savior. What if tonight you decided to join us in our church-wide Bible reading plan starting in the new year? To hear every day about Jesus and then to text me about the questions you have about the Bible. And I'll just say, I don't know, or maybe I do know, but anyway. Maybe for some, you know exactly where you need Jesus. There's a broken part of your life that you just can't figure out. You're not strong enough. I invite you to bring Jesus into that into the whole of your life and let the king of kings do his thing. Because you know what we're going to find? You know what Mary found? Mary witnessed miracles. God did the impossible. She was a virgin who was going to give birth to a son. How can that be? As ones who know science, virgins don't give birth. But God was going to make it possible. The angel told Mary these words, The Holy Spirit will come on you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God, for no word from God will ever fail. And tonight is the culmination of a miracle. A virgin who had a baby conceived by the Holy Spirit is holding a baby in her arms, the Messiah, the Lord. As she was close to Jesus, she got to be witness of God doing the impossible. You know why that's important? Because I imagine tonight some of you are coming in here with situations that seem like they're impossible. I imagine some might be fighting addictions. And you've tried time and time again to shake a certain thing. And it seems impossible to make headway. Well, I'm here to tell you God is the God of the impossible. There are some who have come in here tonight with heavy hearts. And you might wonder, will I ever have the same kind of joy? Will I ever have true peace past my anxiety? Will I ever have a better day? I'm here to tell you it's possible. See, God, he binds up broken hearts. He's close to us who are troubled. He is the God of the impossible. As you look at your life, maybe there is something at your workplace. Maybe there's a relationship and you're just saying to yourself, nothing good can come from here. I've tried and tried and tried again. Nothing's going to happen. I need to remind you, God is the God of the impossible. The impossible God who is three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and yet one God. How does that work? I don't know. The impossible God who is from everlasting to everlasting, no beginning and no end. He's the impossible God who's everywhere all the time, but in a special way to those who have gathered in his name, to those who reach out and say, I need you, come alive in me. 
the impossible God who is true God and yet fully true man as we recognize this night. The impossible God is ever living and yet somehow died. Just so that three days later our faith could be based on an impossibility we call the resurrection to eternal life so that those who grieve would not grieve as those without hope. No, no, no. We know that death is conquered. We have an impossible God with a love that is unfathomable. He looks at those who should be enemies, those who are villains, those who have no right for love and says, I choose to love you and do so much better for you than what you deserve. And why can you trust all of this? All these words that I'm saying that are found in the Bible because no word from God is ever going to fail. See, he moves heaven and earth to keep that word. He did it tonight. He'll do it again. You know this is just a preview, right? You know he's coming again. For all we know, he might come tonight. He might come on the clouds. You ready? I am. Every knee shall bow. Every eye shall see him. How can every eye see him all at once? You know why? He's an impossible God. That's how. doesn't matter the sphere of the world. If there is one word that you need to take and cling to this Christmas, it is the word of the angels who reminded us once again, glory to God in the highest heaven. He reigns. He is the King of kings. And on earth, peace. Peace, not anxiety. Peace, not depression. Peace, not fear. Peace, not shame. Peace, not guilt. Peace. Because of his favor. He loves you way more than you know. He's the truest treasure in a world of transitory pleasure and fake goods. He is priceless, friends, and he is here tonight. He is for you, now and forever. Friends, may Christmas be filled with joy. May you know he loves you. The heart of God is good. Now let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you for this moment that I got up here into your heart and see its glory, its beauty, its majesty. You love me more than I know. Thank you that you are able to do impossible things because I face, we face guilt and shame, fears of death in the future. But you've overcome. Light has broken darkness. Love has won. So fill us with joy. Remove all fear and doubt. Let the joy of Christmas be ours. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, at this time, you have an opportunity to join with me in a prayer. It's a prayer our Savior taught us. It's the Lord's Prayer. Let's join together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen.